If you have an Attack on Titan tweet, it will get liked by me. And any listeners that, that want a little courtesy like, anything. Damn. All right. I'll save one up. Um, yeah, you can. It's easy to. It's easy to to do it. Are you reading an email or something? No, I I'm not. Like I'm just like not sure where to, where to go with with this bit. It's easy to get this free like from from our friend Griffin. I'm just fucking I'm excited about Attack on Titan. I'm just like already having like like angry YouTube comment anxiety about the video that I'll inevitably make about it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, does, does, does your audience disagree with you? I just like I don't think you can talk about Attack on Titan without having a pretty substantial part of the audience disagree with you. True. But it's so popular. Yeah, but it's popular partly because kind of like The Matrix, it's like so easy to like read it, read it towards whatever sort of ideological Mm -hmm. position you want to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so no matter what position I sort of interpretive position I take, like making the video about it, there's going to be a group of people who are going to be like, wrong, like, no. Right. It's about how liberalism keeps the oppressed white man down. Like, oh, I wow, that's a take. Oh, that's oh, that one's big time out there. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. I, it's gonna be really good. I'm really excited to watch it. I'm just like, I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to write about it. I'm excited to make a video about it. I'm just not excited to see the comments when we make the video about it. For sure. Yeah. I mean, well, downvotes are gone now, so you're safe there. That just means we're gonna get more comments, man. I I I, I like that. I prefer that. It's like if you don't like something, you better explain why. Oh, you must understand. Maybe you don't have as much YouTube comment experience as, as me, <laughs> but they don't explain why. <laughs> they just say mean. They just say a bunch of mean shit. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, we love it. Be best. Stay fly. We love you guys in the comments. Uh, you know, uh, call calling me a piece of shit. It's great. What I will what I will say is um, I, uh, the Attack on Titan trailer that came out for the the season. It gave too much away. And I was a little disappointed. Yeah, I didn't watch. I've only watched like the one. Is there anything beyond that? Like one, like 45 second thing. There's a trailer that came out like two weeks ago or something like that. I only ever seen that like one 45 second sort of like thing. That's just sort of like it's about to get rowdy up in here. Yeah, there's that one. But then there's one that literally that shows a bunch of action that I kind of wish I hadn't seen. Yeah, well, I'm not going to watch it. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Just watch. Watch. Uh. Watch this space, aka the Game Boys uh, podcast. Uh, which is what you're listening to, a podcast about video games. I'm one of your hosts, and my name is Lux. And I'm Griffin. You know, I'm feeling off today, but I feel like I'm about to catch it. I'm about to catch this second wind. All right. That's great. Uh, maybe one thing that'll perk you up is when I mention our incredible producer and editor, Haley, who's also here on the whoa, 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 ones and twos. Oh, shit. Air yeah. horn, air horn, air horn. Um, that's going to get the Griff man jazzed. Who wouldn't get jazzed with it? I'm fucking pumped now. Yeah. Um, I think coffee's making me sleepier. Does that ever happen to you? Um, yes, sort of. Mm-hmm. When I got into the habit of taking coffee naps, I definitely had that thing where I would drink coffee and then be like, oh, got a nap. Yeah. Coffee naps. And then, you, then your dreams are just you're getting a lot done in your dreams. Coffee naps are great for me. It's like I wake up refreshed and energized every time in like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, also, I also I can find a more specific dream when I'm on coffee. Yeah, I, can, can, I can seek out my pleasures. Yeah, you have a little bit more of a control. 
Yeah, my like, secret you know to I want to be dreamy. a dragon right now. <laughs> yeah, my secret to lucid dreaming is drink a shitload of coffee and then lie down for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's 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 like the first week that I haven't had COVID. And Congratulations. Sort of How's that going? Um, great, because uh, I've been able to actually have the energy to do some stuff in my own life and the energy to start a couple new games. Um, I've been playing a lot of new stuff this week that I'm excited to talk to you guys about um, and tell you about Lux. But, you know, the, the main theme of this episode will be upcoming video games of 2022. We're going to get into, you know, uh, what we think is going to hit some lists, maybe some stuff we think is not going to hit, maybe some stuff we think is not going to even hit 2022, um, because there's a lot of that on this list, too. So we're going to do that. But first, you know, we want to check back in just on our individual gaming journeys. Lux, how have you been? Good. I have been wrapping up a lot of the games I was playing at the end of 2021. Like throughout 2021, I would play games to like 90 percent completion and then stop. Um, just edging yeah i guess it was sort of like games were coming out or like we doing the show or i'd have like stuff to work on it's the holidays holiday there's like a lot of things where just like i would start a game almost finish it pick something else up and just like forget that i was doing it um so on my switch i finally finished the remaster of xenoblade chronicles it was awesome Really fun. I still like that game is cool enough that even though I think the fighting system is stupid, um, I think that it's it's to- it still fucking holds up and it's totally fun. Everything else is just good enough that it doesn't matter that it sucks. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Tight. Finished. I finished Tales from Arise. I'm about to finish Tales from Arise. Which Tales from Arise got on a lot of people's lists this yeah, year. Yeah, Tales from Arise is really good. Uh. I actually think I liked it more the first time that I was playing through it because I didn't know this when I was playing it, but I sort of stopped at a half of like a an act break uh, where the story changes pretty radically and the setting changes a lot in the back section of the game. And that back section becomes very thematically heavy handed and like very like people just having conversations about the same thing very intensely over and over and over again. And so shitty. the combat holds up. But the charm of that game was these like inter-character like dialogue banter scenes that would happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the variety of those scenes, it's become the, the scenes have become so much less various yeah. as the game has gone on and become more focused, which is a little bit frustrating because like the combat's really fun, but like never takes a dump. I'm just never the kind of guy to like play a game and get carried through strictly on how fun the combat is, unless it's like a tactics mm-hmm. game where that's the whole thing. Um yeah. And so it just like isn't quite as charming to me. I'm still going to finish it. I'm very close to the end. And I like the story. Um, I just like all the dialogue scenes have become so like, wow, you're not alone. It's even though great. everyone is in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of maybe, things, maybe a little unearned, not even unearned. Like they've earned the stuff. It's just like they earned the stuff. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing about the themes in the back half that are different than the themes in the front half. Um, they just like really want to tell you about them in the second half as opposed to like showing you them in the first half. For sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I know all about sh- uh, telling rather than showing um, because I played a little game called Halo Infinite uh, yeah, this now, week. Now, 
people have been saying good things in the Halo Infinite campaign, and I did not check the Chimru Discord, but I did see a lot of things pop up on my phone about that were you posting about how much you hated it. It is, it's wild. It is, I mean, li- I mean, listen, here's my log line. Finish the fight, more like finish the damn game. Uh, this is the most unfinished game I have ever played. It is insane. And the fact that it has positive reviews for the campaign largely is a psychosis that I am going to unpack on this episode. Well, unpack it for me because <laughs> um, I haven't played it at all. So it's the first open world Halo game, uh, but they didn't do any of the open world parts. They just made a bunch of space in between the stuff that you have to artificially fill your time by traveling through it's all the same one level terrain for the entire game and by entire i mean about four and a half hours because this game is not finished when the credits roll in this game lux it feels like you're 30 percent through and it is shocking yeah i just like it's i don't like it when a game when the story starts too late in a game Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, The problem is, is that that's not the problem here. (laughs) The problem is they didn't make a story. Um, They essentially like are just copy pasting like Cortana going evil dialogue lines from like Halo three through five. And they're just kind of like whispering those into your ear. Um, And a big monkey guy like talks to you through a hologram. Um, The second you think anything is going to actually start happening, the credits roll. It is super unfinished um, to the point where the game developers are literally saying they're going to be releasing part two for free as a DLC. (laughs) Like it's it's a quarter of a Halo campaign. It's wild. I mean, see this, I guess, isn't this sort of what we feared was going to happen Sort of when we were discussing like the emphasis on multiplayer in that Mm -hmm. game and that we kind of had this feeling that the the campaign would kind of suffer for it. And I guess that's exactly what happened. Um, Well, yeah. And it's 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 weird to this studio is getting a lot of congratulations for this game. And And it's a little weird to me that like it's really evident all this team was able to accomplish was copy paste a game that came out 20 years ago. And then, like, don't add anything, like, outside of that. You're not, they're just not capable. It's just tracing. It's not like a painting. It's like someone traced someone else's painting, um, which is uh, not great. Bad way to make a thing. A bad way to paint. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's like confounding on that level, but you know, most people would say who gives a shit? Like I didn't even play the campaign. Like I'm having a lot of fun playing the multiplayer and like, I don't want to downplay like how good the gunplay and like the moment to moment, like gameplay loop is, but I would argue that the halo campaigns are what made halo the franchise it is today. Like, like they're they both need each other like yeah like if if halo was just a campaignless game about soldiers in space killing each other it never would have had the swag of master chief like the elusive alien mystery of the rings and, and sort of the universe that kind of buoys and like rounds out um the halo franchise 
Yeah, it's it is true that like a lot of Halo's juice comes from the world itself. Like it's not like it. I mean, at this point, this is kind of necessary, right? Because like how different are you going to make a game mechanically speaking in terms of feel between like a PUBG or an Apex or whatever? Like there are things you can make that are different, obviously, but like there's only so much sort of FPS differentiation you can do. So you kind of need like the specifics of the world and the setting and the characters and the tone to do some of that elevating work. And like, it's conceivable that you can do that in the multiplayer space. And they they probably, it seems like they do to a degree, but like there's a top and limit how effective that can be. I think. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. They need the campaign to give it that juice. Like you said, they're kind of co-productive. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, just heard that uh that cool tool going. You know what? We are we're doing a, a tool time episode. Um, if you guys do hear any kind of uh, sounds and words, that's on purpose. Um, it's part of my new my new PC setup. Ever since Griffin learned that uh, Richard Karn doesn't like NFTs, he's gotten really into home improvement. Yeah. I've gotten really into making NFTs of home improvement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every time it's a if Griffin has an NFT of every single time that Tim Allen goes. Bloo! Is is Richard Carr not also like a Tim Allen style kind of guy? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I'm just wondering, is this Richard Carn's first good take or has he always been like this? I know that Richard Carn. my biggest experience with Richard Carn outside of, um, outside of home improvement is that he, that, uh, Stefan heck or John Cullen had him do a cameo about at, to get him to ask someone to sell him the, the, uh, monster truck grave digger. And he absolutely did the cameo where he was like, Stefan, your friend, John wants to buy your monster truck from you and did it very straight and very seriously. And then Stefan had him do a cameo that was like, I will never sell you my monster truck. And he did that very straight and very seriously. And I found it to be very charming. Uh, so I'm a Richard Karn fan. Also a monster okay. truck fan. Sure. Yeah. Even though, you know, a cameo, him doing cameos is not a great case for his morality. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, like I do, I do feel like if they can't, figure out this whole halo campaign thing um and continue to like build out this world which would be very easy to do i could write it for them right now off the top of my head um then it's like i think that the franchise will continue to like start to wither in relevance um and it's weird because it's like why would that be true if only like 10 percent of the players really even check out the campaign Uh, and i just think it's because it's like you know, there's a bunch of other shooters now. There's a bunch of other games to play. Um, and you, it's, things need to have a little bit more meat on their bones to sink their teeth into. And and I think just the Master Chief was like the coolest fucking video game character like ever. Um, and it just seems like if without Master Chief, it just would have been a bunch of space shoulders shooting each other. And I, I don't think people would have cared as much. Yeah. Well, I think Master Chief also was very like of his time in a way. Yeah. That like Master Chief now, I just think doesn't really hold up the same way. And they're trying to modernize him in certain ways in scenes that are so not Master Chief. There's a scene where Master Chief gives like a pump up speech about life to a depressed soldier that does just feels very out of character. Right. Um. It, there's stuff like that where it's like, yeah. Uh, where does this guy go? Yeah, because like Master Chief, 
the the appeal of Master Chief was like he was really of a time where it was like American masculinity is like solid and militarized and manly and silent and powerful. And mm-hmm. it's, American masculinity is going to go into Iraq and kick Osama bin Laden's ass and beat up Saddam Hussein and kill the Taliban with punching. Um, and he's really reflective of that time and like that time and like that mindset's obviously very toxic and fucked up. It also is like makes for some pretty cool shit um, when you turn like the Taliban into aliens. Like it makes for cool, cool kind of things. And you just that character doesn't exist in discourse the way it used to, which is probably a good thing in terms of like overall cultural position, but uh-huh. like does take a lot of the juice out of what made Halo Halo. Right. It's like it was cool in 2005 for the grunts to be reading the Quran, but like now, you know, <laughs> what are they going to be reading? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. I think now it'll be it'll be, you know, threats from within. Uh, But, you know, it's it's like outside of that stuff, um, the psychosis, I think, to why people thought the campaign was actually really good. And I will wrap this up because I know we've been going on um, is that you got to be Spider-Man. And I literally think that with this grappling hook feature, that's really, really fun. Master Chief gets a grappling hook and it has like a one second cooldown, which basically turns you into Spider-Man. It's really fun. You can you can grab weapons with it. You can grab tanks of uh, energy and throw it at people. You can grab enemies and zoom in on them and then punch them. It turns you into Spider-Man. And I think that literally, the if just to satisfy the masses, just turn every game into Spider-Man and it doesn't matter how lackluster it is. It will get a very good score on Metacritic. Right. I mean, that is one of the great video game discoveries is that it's very cool to swing around and actually a doable thing. And that in many ways, swinging around is cooler in a video game than flying around. Not only that, but it's like people will accept that and just that. That's enough. Right. I mean, is my biggest take about it is that it's like everything else can be complete garbage. I mean, do you remember when I played that game Verlin Swing for like three weeks and it was literally Mm -hmm. all you did was swing? That was the entire game. Right. Yeah. And it's like and it reminded me, too, of like how lackluster Spider-Man for the PS4 and Miles Morales was in a world building way and a narrative and just in kind of like a other stuff to do outside of swinging game. Um, very lackluster, very thin. And, and this reminds me very similar. It's like, oh, but people like really, really do love to swing. And so, you know, that's just that's my one big note for game designers. And I know you guys are listening. Um, (laughs) You don't have to do anything else. You know, if you have a rogue like card builder game, consider if the cards could swing. Yeah. Think about that. Um, You playing anything else? Because I've uh, I've hit a couple. Okay. I'm currently halfway through Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. How's that? Um, It is very fun. Um, I would characterize the series as like these like horror games designed for kids, but that are like inexplicably hard in like sometimes frustrating ways. But they've always been very minimalist games where you're just like in a security booth checking security cameras and there's like a lot of jump scares. Uh, This is the first game. Well, not the first, but I think their biggest game to really leave the booth and you're sort of walking around like a mall, like a Chuck E. Cheese like mall this time. So there's lots of different levels and spaces. It looks really great. It's pretty scary. It's kind of like what I'd wished all the other games were. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it does. 
it seems so much more comprehensive in terms of its experience than the other ones. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the charm of the other ones is the like smallness of them. But mm-hmm. it is time or even I think arguably past time for the game to like push it. Right. A little and, bit. and they are pushing it and it does look really good on my PC, but <laughs> this team does not know how to make a big video game. This game falls apart as you move through it. Uh-oh. It's like each level is has less nails. It's like they had like a certain amount of nails to screw into like each wall and like they just ran out by the end of it. It's um it's the frame rate goes down to like seven frames per second sometimes um it is incredibly stuttery there are so many times where a monster has clipped through a wall and then killed me um it's just a total mess of a game uh and it's really surprising that you know this is a cash cow franchise if your thing is for kids and kids like it you are making so much money. Like I, I like kids have birthday parties with this shit. Like it's it's a big deal. And the fact that they can't put the resources into making a game is really embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where like what's a good way to put it? Sort of that it's uh Yeah, a good way to put it, I think, is that like these games when you try to expand out a concept for like Five Nights at Freddy's, like a, a part of game development is putting people in positions to succeed and do the things they're good at or whatever. And when you're expanding a game like this and you're a small studio or whatever, you don't necessarily have the network or the connections to get the best guys for X, Y, and Z. And people end up having to do things that maybe aren't their ballywick or their natural skill set. And so you tend to see this kind of thing. But if the game is good enough, then probably the next version of this game, they will have sort of access to those kind of guys and information about how to access those kind of guys and, and get those kind of guys on board. And then you'll probably see a lot of those things get fixed and cleaned up in the next iteration or even in like a patch or something. Um, but it does make sense. And I think does happen in, in numerous examples uh, where yeah. the natural expansion of a game to a bigger thing ends up kind of glitchy and messed up because like they don't have the crew or the squad to, mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah, definitely. The squad was caught lacking with this game, which is a disappointment because everything else about the game is really operating on a high level. Like the, the, the individual levels are, are beautiful. It's scary. It's kind of funny. It's putting you it like you've always been at, like the fazzy fazbear sort of the main villain of the game is your ally in this one which is an interesting narrative it's a little, it's a little um, wrinkle. uh and so that that's fun and you you actually like spend a lot of time climbing into his body and hiding in his body um so uh, basically a lot of the time the game is just like fazbear just like climb into my chest gregory that's <laughs> uh, discomforting and- and then and then like a, a lot of the time he's just like giving Gregory bad news over the radio. He's just like, oh, 
I'm so sorry, Gregory. It looks like you're going to have to stay the night. Like it's, it's all, it's, it's really funny relationship where he's constantly apologizing for how horrible the situation is. That's uh, a good. It's very, it, so it's very fun and it has this great energy and I just wish it was a polished game that didn't like break. And I'm not, and I'm not being like a stickler. Like if it dropped to 45 frames per second, I would move on. But this game does like become pretty unplayable at a certain point right now. Um, other than that, I've been playing a game called Eternal Return with Hunter, friend of the show. It's basically League of Legends Battle Royale. It's a game from Korea. Um, uh, It's kind of a mess. It's kind of fun. A lot of it's written in Korean still and needs English. Um, It explains very little how to play the game, but it is fun. Or maybe you need to learn Korean. I need to get good at Korean. Yeah, yes, you need to get good um, Korean. But, but you know, I've, 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 Halo Infinite took a lot of our time. Lux, are you playing anything else? Yeah, the last two things I just want to say is I'm, uh, I'm finishing up Forgotten City and uh, Melodies of Steel, the two other games I was playing recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, bangers, both of them. Um, yeah. Forgotten City just kind of gets better as you go. There's so much layering of the plots and the mysteries. So Forgotten City is about octopuses. No, that's the one where you go back in time to this weird Roman town where if someone sins, everyone gets turned to gold and you have to figure out who's the one who's going to do the sin. That's right. Uh, It's kind of like an Oberdin type of game with a little bit more actiony stuff in it. Um, Mm -hmm. It kind of looks like Greek Skyrim. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Roman Skyrim. It it is originally a Skyrim mod that got made into its own game. Wow, bullseye. Uh, You nailed it. Um, it's, uh, it is really, don't, don't, don't really good. Don't forget on this city. Try to do kind of a, a meme. Yeah. Don't forget about this city, please. Please. Um, but it's really fun. <laughs> it's really good. I'm excited to finish it and then try it again as a different class and see if that changed anything or like how I can approach mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm just wrapping up Kugo with Melodies of Steel because I had like one or two boss fights left. The Tets, the tank yeah. RPG I was playing. Still mm-hmm. a fucking banger. I've been really excited to see that a lot of magazines and game reviewers have it as like a top 10 game of the year or um, or as like a or as I saw, like a listen, top RPG. I, I, I did not forget about this city because I was seeing it on every list, Lux. Yeah, both both. That's part of why I got back into it. Both Kuga Melodies of Steel and Forgotten City were popping up on lists all over the place. Yeah, they were getting they were getting listed up, and you know, maybe just like people like swinging, people just love gold. Yeah, you that, that ain't that the truth. I love gold. That's one thing about me. <laughs> I enjoy gold. <laughs> I think gold is fine. Gold is adequate. <laughs> a top 10 metal I think of is gold. Silver will do. <laughs> Ever heard of platinum? It's like gold, but better. I've um, moved on. Yes, I've moved on. Yeah. Um, that's anyways, Austin Powers 4. That's my, that's our <laughs> joint screenplay. Weren't they always going to make an Austin? Anyways, uh, guys, that was the games that we were playing right now, right? Yeah. Okay, and we're going to take a quick commercial break, and after that, we're going to talk about the future. All right, we're back from our break Uh, in three, two, one. All right, Griffin, for the first... And now I'm back from my break in three, two, one. Uh, You got there three seconds ahead of me. uh, (laughs) um, For the first time in the history of the podcast, we're recording in 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's time to discuss 
what our most anticipated games are, what some of the most anticipated games are, how we feel about all this stuff. Do you want to start us off? Yeah. And I mean, it's, I don't know. It's like, is this our anticipated games? I kind of want to talk about just all the big releases. That doesn't necessarily, uh, that's not synonymous with anticipated for me. Okay. That, well, that's me let's sort of do, just being like, let's do here's big the releases. stuff coming out this year. Let's do big releases today and maybe we'll get a more anticipated thing with maybe what's in Bud's on later this month and talk about that. Because, because you know, I think maybe the most efficient way for us to do this is chronologically, you know, what we can expect month to month. And, you know, because a lot of my most anticipated don't really have a set date yet, maybe we do sort of the grab bag of things that haven't been fully announced at the end. Sure. Um, so January is going to be the month of Pokemon Legends Arceus. When, so it comes out this month. It looks like they just made Sword and Shield again and learned nothing. Well, let's. It's wild. Let's see. It comes, it comes out. What do you look at? I want to look at some, the 28th. some gameplay footage or some gameplay uh, stills. This looks this looks better. No, this looks it doesn't. better. No, I don't. Okay. I'm not going to say it looks good. It doesn't. It doesn't. It does it looks not better. Okay. It looks slightly better, but all of the design choices are still the same. It's these landscapes uh, that are barren. It's um. This guy's a Pokemon fan. Uh, yeah, he's like, who the fuck up? <laughs> it's just, and then just Pokemon just kind of littered on it. Like, I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it, it does. And then just the same combat still. Like, like once you find them in the open world, you're still just doing those back and forth attacks that are just kind of like face rolls. Like I, this game, it, it reminds me a lot of when Final Fantasy went from like really beautiful 2D to atrocious 3D, it really reminds me of that transition where it's like all the cuteness, all the vibe, all the nuance and tone of the cute 2D is just looks like this ugly teenager in 3D. And then they just have not figured out how to bring that charm for me. Right. I mean, one thing about all of this and about games in general and graphics upgrades in particular uh, is that we've talked about, which is like, so it used to be, why does the thing look like this? And it was like, because that's what we have the technology to do. Um, that used to be like how graphics got chosen. Like, what are we capable of doing? What do we want to try here? What what technology exists? Um, so that used to just be what happens. Now yeah. we have the technology to make really beautiful pixel stuff, really beautiful 2D illustrated stuff, really yeah. beautiful 3D stuff, etc. And so now games kind of have to justify their look to a degree. Like the look needs to do something for the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I think, one thing you can make the argument of as a failure with Arceus is like, what do we get out of this being a 3D game as opposed to a 2D pixel game or whatever? Mm -hmm. And and, and what you get is like. Uh, like a like a thin shadow of what other games are looking like now in these in these types of genres. So that's Arceus. Um, really, really seems like a company that, um, yeah, just is not challenging itself or its fans. Um, and you know, the, people will keep eating that slop. So then in February, we've got this game Sifu. February is where things start heating up. Yeah, we, you know, we, Sifu, we saw Sifu. About. 
Sifu was looking pretty cool. It's kind of like a beat em up action adventure game. Um, has a really cool visual style. You know, I'm really feeling like it's a $35 to $40 game and potentially not a $60 to $70 game. Uh, how do you feel about that? Um, I think you're probably right. Just everything from the scope of it to even just like the poster looks like in like I, a $25 indie. Yeah, but here's the thing. There's two things about this game that I think are very cool. One is all of the fight animation stuff that I've seen clips of looks fucking awesome. And as, mm-hmm. a, re- as a little kung fu freak over here, mm-hmm. um, that's going to make me pay for pay more for a thing than it's probably worth anyway. Yeah. Um, and second is I really like the reincarnation concept of the game, like the aging idea of the game. Yeah. Um, totally. That sounds really cool. And so I'm pr- it probably is from an objective perspective, like a $35, $40 game. Um, mm-hmm. I'll probably pay more for it. Cause it's a game that really plays with ideas and design and, and physics stuff that I care about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I think you're probably right. It doesn't look especially deep or big. Yeah. It just, it's like, looks cool. Really wonder what the price is. Uh, moving on from Sifu, which is a game I'll probably stream. It looks fun. Uh, this is this is the month where things really start heating up, Lux, because within a week of each other, we have Horizon Forbidden West and Elden Ring. Oh, two big games you- with two big worlds <laughs> playing in spaces that people really like. <laughs> Wow, I guess I'm just a kid at a freaking candy I mean, shop. Fucking yeah, dude. This is these are this is interesting because this is something I think maybe we're starting to see a thing that you and I talked about a bunch, which is that like the amount of COVID delays are going to lead to sort of like a bottleneck that will eventually burst with a bunch of games. There will sort of be no way to be on top of all of the game stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the first thing I'll say is, yeah, I agree about this bottleneck. Um, there'll be interesting times where two big games come out too close together. And yeah, Forbidden West, I'm very excited about. Um, it, it had this gameplay trailer recently that was just really blew me away. I think it's going to be the first game where I'm really excited to play in 4K on the PS5. Um, it uh, It's just going to take sort of the base game that they had and just kind of like, level it up and if they can do that with the story too this this will be one of uh, the better games of the year for sure yeah, i mean horizon zero dawn was awesome it it felt new and interesting and ambitious and it mm-hmm. it was really interesting and so it was like that was like that was a really invigorating game like that was a really like a triple a studio taking a swing type of game um and uh it's I'm excited to see see their follow up for sure. Yeah, so that'll be really cool, and I really hope it doesn't get overshadowed by what is going to be game of the year. Let's be real; this is going to be game of the year, and it's called Elden Ring. Um, February twenty fifth. Wow. Yeah. This is that might be the only thing that stops it from being game of the year is how early it is in the year. Um, but listen, this is going to be uh the same shit. But now in an open world setting with a few new ideas, the horse can double jump. It's it's going to be game of the year. I mean, I one is uh, inclined to think <laughs> it's like uh, 
It's definitely like it it's definitely like front runner in the clubhouse sort of thing, you know, like mm-hmm. like it's the number one seed or whatever. Like it, yeah. it seems to have every single thing going for it. It has mm-hmm. like a pedigreed writer. It has a pedigreed studio. It has a pedigreed studio taking a swing at a bigger, more accessible, but not game that mm-hmm. doesn't compromise their aesthetic, really. Um, yeah. And it is going to be probably the most accessible Dark Souls game yet. Oh, yeah. From what I've heard, there are some classes that are like a lot easier to play than others. You can call for help a lot more. Um, there's a lot of co-op options. So it's definitely going to be the most accessible uh, game yet. I mean, it's just going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Um, and we're going to be very excited to talk about it. Uh, so moving on in March, um, we have what I think will be probably my close second for game of the year. Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. I mean, Lux, this game has everything. It has a lot of things. That's for sure. It it I has mean, everything. I I like it. I'm excited about it. I didn't love I didn't find it super fun to play in the demo. I thought the systems were a little mm. over. I thought the systems were a little, a little overwrought, but mm-hmm. it is like a butt rock themed fantasy action RPG Final Fantasy world thing that is uh, it's exciting. It's fun. Like I have mixed feelings about this, right? Like part of me is like, I think it's cool that Square Enix and these companies are branching out to try and do Final Fantasy in different ways, but my favorite iteration of Final Fantasy will always be grand sweeping turn-based single player narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like this not being that is kind of a bummer to me, mm-hmm. but also it does look pretty sick. I mean, a character pulls out his cell phone and plays limb biscuit on it and then says, fuck this bullshit and walks away. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's just, when you're given a gift, accept it, Lux. This game is going to be really good. And even if it's bad, it's going to be good. Yeah. Because it's it's everything that you just described. And that, to me, is so fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I even really liked the combat. I thought it was a little overwrought and difficult, but I, I found it to be really interesting. So, you know, this game could end up just totally be wearing on me after like 30 hours. Um, but for me, it is an anticipated release. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, yeah. And it's coming uh, out in the same month, I think. March 18th. As, yeah, yeah, in the same month as my anticipated second place to Elden Ring game also. Which uh, is? Triangle Strategy for the Switch. Yes. Uh, the big sort of choice-based uh, tactics RPG with just like earth-shatteringly gorgeous pixel art. Just like absolute jaw-droppingly pretty shit. And um, mind-numbing and mind-numbingly bad title. <laughs> They're just yeah. like, fuck it. No one cares about the title. Yeah. You guys want this. Project Triangle Strategy <laughs> is maybe the worst title for anything I've ever heard of. I cannot believe I mean, I can believe it because you guys will play the worst na- titled games of all time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every everything you play is just the worst title, and you love it. Yeah, every game I play is sort of just like it's sort of like dark memories of the steely sun. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like, it's like they don't, they, these people know like 15 words. Yeah. But it looks, it looks 
amazing. It looks really beautiful. Like it, the graphics it does look good. The gameplay is super fun. I love the demo. I love that there is sort of this like system where you don't get to make the choice. You have to make your team vote on the choice and you have to talk to everyone on your team and try to make the arguments that will get them to vote the way you want them to. But that's not guaranteed unless you like are smart about it. That's um, cool. So adding that layer of sort of like gamification and like character analysis to choice making mm-hmm. is really fun. And like it's I think it's just gonna be a really sweet fucking little game. Um, yeah. And so that's so, that's my anticipated yeah. number two game of the year. And that's and that's pretty good. And then March is rounded out with Tiny Tina's Wonderlands uh, from the makers of Borderlands. They are doing a medieval RPG style version um, that is online. Right. It looks bad. So the part where they lose me, honestly, is the that's online part. Mm. Um, it looks bad and dumb, but. Borderlands bad and dumb was still a really fun single player experience to me just because it was like running gun sort of instant serotonin catharsis loops. Um, and I don't care if a game is like a little bit too Joss Whedon-y for me, if it can do that like Skinner box thing of just like it feels good to kill guys, get stuff, kill guys, get stuff, kill guys, get stuff. Sure. Core loop. <laughs> but like when that becomes inter- integrally online, I like lose interest right away. So I'm not sure if it's integrally online. I do think it's very encouraged. Um, but yeah, I would actually be shocked if they didn't allow some sort of single player. Uh, I think they way will, to get but like, it's the same thing as FF14, right? Like you can play FF14 single player, but it's not designed to be played single player. And so there's uh, little ways yeah. in which it is weird and doesn't quite, it doesn't quite like its goal isn't to put you in a single player space, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. Sure. But it's. So- uh, it is definitely, you know, uh, not ideal. My big problem is that it's ma- it's Borderlands. Uh, and so that's my big problem with it. Ultimately, <laughs> the fatal enough. flaw is that it's made by the people who made Borderlands. Uh, then moving on in May, we've got speaking of Joss Whedon, uh, we've got, um, yeah, that just happened. The game I'm talking about for spoken. Um, now we watched a trailer for spoken, uh, and it's about a hip woman from NYC that's transported to a fantasy world and it looks beautiful and the combat looks pretty, but every line of dialogue is atrocious. Um, yeah, uh, it, uh, uh, it, sorry, I got a message about a dog. So we got to be, uh, responsive. So far, it's just you're averaging a similar amount of us. It's okay. Sorry, I was worried about this puppy. Um, yeah, Lux, you got a new with, dog. You want to talk about it? Uh, he's very cute. He's very nice. Um, he's a real handful. Um, nice. <laughs> so the thing with this game is that like it's playing in a space that I really enjoy. I really like the fish out of water, fantasy in our world, our world and fantasy dynamic. That's just like a thing that I like. Uh, even if it's kind of cheesy and dumb, like for instance, like the magicians has like some pretty stupid iterations of that, but it like actually, it's still fun to me. Cause I just like, like, mm-hmm. I like those tensions. Like, you know, it's always fun when someone who like is like, I'm in, I grew up in the world with capitalism and they're like, wait a second. They have capitalism in the fantasy world too. Mm-hmm. Like that shit is mm-hmm. like fun to me. Um, but yeah, it is. It everything about this looks really fun, but man, oh man, the dialogue just felt barfy. 
And in a game that is where the narrative will probably be fairly present, I just, I can't sign up for that kind of experience. So, you know, uh, my prediction system for 2021, completely shot. Maybe this game turns out to be good. Forspoken will be one of the first tests of my prediction system, I will be I believe. playing it probably when it comes out because that premise is just too much fun for me not to be jazzed about. Okay, well, we'll talk about it. Um, later in the summer, you know, there's a lot, I, there's a, probably a lot of stuff that will come out in between this, but, you know, these are just confirmed dates that I have here. Um, there's a new Saints Row game in August. They're kind of bringing things kind of back to basics, but they also kind of made it look like Fortnite. Um, you know, signs are that that is going to be good for them financially, not bad, but uh, does seem to me to kind of lose a little bit of something that the original Saints Rose had. Yeah, it doesn't feel quite as whimsical, which is a funny way to describe Saints Row. But Saints mm-hmm. Row is a game where like you could be a four like a 12 foot tall purple guy who shoots a dubstep gun. Like it had like a really weird sense of whimsy. Um mm-hmm. and I think that was the key, right? Like the key wasn't that it took the GTA shit and escalated it in terms of violence. It took it and escalated it in terms of like comedy and weirdness, which is always part of the GTA formula anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And to sort of step that element back feels a little bit like missing the point. Yeah, I yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Um, so that's Saints Row. Uh, me, you know, who, who, kind of a kind of a little who care with that one. But uh, you know, the big big release at the end of this year, Lux, mm-hmm. that actually has a date uh, con- confirmed for it is a uh, Starfield Starfield has a date and that date is November 11th. Now this is funny for a few Dude, reasons. Never forget. We haven't seen a single clip of gameplay from this game. The reason why it is confirmed for November 11th is because that's the anniversary that Skyrim was released, which is not <laughs> a great way to set the schedule for your game production. <laughs> Yeah, no, that is insane. I didn't actually know that was true. It, that's why. They're like, we're confident that we can release it on then because it's the anniversary, which which is like, oh, so this was all executives. <laughs> like this, this is like no one who's making the game decided this. Cool, cool. Uh, I do not think this game will come out this year. If it does come out, it will be probably a mess because it's such a big game. And for us to still hear and see really nothing substantial for this long, I just don't believe the game's ready. Yeah. I mean, you, I've, yeah, this game is in that, like, this happens occasionally, right? Like, where games become like myths, where, like, we keep hearing that a game is happening, yeah. that it's developing, that it's going on, and we see nothing about it, and they keep asserting mm-hmm. that it's coming, and it almost always ends uh, poorly. Uh, and yes. this smells like one of those again. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and especially in, like, in this, in this you know, tragic era of cyber, the post-cyberpunk world, you know, I think that game studios would be a little bit smarter with this kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, that's uh, that's who they are and they're living their themselves. So, you know, other than that, there are some other games that we don't have firm dates for, but that we do have a very firm pulsing anticipation for i'm of course talking about games like kirby and the forgotten land looks like a real joy that's gonna be a real joy i mean you know if they can capture even a quarter of the magic of a super mario odyssey and turn that into a kirby game that's gonna be a good game that's gonna be a game we're both playing there's also 
a collection of different team superhero games coming out this year. Uh-huh. There's three, actually. Um, there's Arkham Knights. There's Arkham Knights, where you play as a bunch of characters that you will not like. Um, there's Marvel's Midnight Suns, which is like, I think, a Marvel XCOM. Yeah, a um, frustrating use of XCOM companies' resources, but... Yes. Um, and then there is, of course, the one that I think looks most interesting to me personally is this Suicide Squad game. Suicide Squad uh, game su- looks good. The Suicide Squad game just looks fun. And I like that you're like trying to kill the Justice League. It just looks fun. And it's like, oh, that's like a, like a, a fun narrative. It's like, how will I kill the Flash or whatever? That's cool. Yeah, that that looks fun. I'm intrigued by Midnight Suns, even though I just wish they would make XCOM 3. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just like love the tactic shit and I like anytime you can put a spin on the tactics shit that is new and interesting and superheroes is a new interesting spin on that. So I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. Um, but I expect the, the sort of best version of these games to be the suicide squad one as well. Yeah. So we have those, um, we do have an open world avatar game from Ubisoft. I was going to tag that very excited about this. Uh, could just be like, my guess is that we're just going to realize that it's a copy paste Far Cry primal map or something. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we want to be a Navi, don't we folks? Yeah, we definitely do. We've also got the Dune RTS 4X game. Yes. That that'll be really cool. Pretty fun. Um, Bayonetta 3. Obviously, we can't forget about God of War Ragnarok either, which will probably be on a lot of people's game of the year lists. Um, and finally, the real reason to buy the PS5. Unfortunately, though, this game is also being released on the PS4. Very disappointing. Something I will always mention. <laughs> yes, a real letdown. Um, um, now, do, Griffin, do you want my little highlights of weird games that Lux is interested in for the next year? Yes, I do, Lux. I just want to mention one last game right. of, of these grab bags, and that's Hogwarts Legacy. <laughs> Yeah, a game that probably should be good, but I'm not going to play because I just am so done. Yeah, it's it's a Harry Potter RPG 10 years too late. Um, and I don't know if like the elder millennial Harry Potter person crossover is really that much of a gamer. Oh, like, I think just I, a lot of them are. Yeah. OK. All right. Well, if uh, yeah, if the I mean, if the one Facebook group I'm in where people post Harry Potter stuff is any indicator, they love games. Okay. All right. Well, I'm t- I'm just I'm t- I'm talking with a jaded eye. Um, but yeah, this this game is weird for me. Um, and it would have to be so good for me to play it. I think. Yeah, I just don't think it's gonna happen for me. <laughs> just because I'm just because I'm burnt. I'm very burnt. Yeah. Uh, all right. Give me your weird ones. <laughs> all right. Uh, extremely hype for Metal Slug Tactics. <laughs> Sure. Um, I think that's going to be so fun. Um, very pumped for just on my list. Ghostwire Tokyo. Sure. Is what we didn't mention. That one looks really exciting. Also, Stray. Stray. That's the one I forgot to mention. Stray, where you literally just play as a cat. Yeah. I mean, that game is like meant for the Internet. Yeah. Really excited for that. Really excited for both Curse to Golf and Choo Choo Charles. Okay, are these for Choo Choo Charles? Choo Choo Charles is a survival horror game. Oh, about an evil train. Yeah, where you and you have to like make your own train. 
yes. and like do open world uh, stuff to improve your train. The the train is an evil spider with a horrible bloody clown face yeah. named Choo Choo Charles. Yeah. He is terrifying to look at. And you have to, yeah, build your own train. And I think that's a great message. Yeah. It's like if if you hate the evil train, then build your own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> and then Curse Curse to Golf is another weird golf RPG in the vein of golf mm-hmm. story, I think, but like spookier. Mm. Um, and so I'm very intrigued by that. And then, oh, that it does look interesting. Yeah, that one looks fun. And then the last, and then they're doing an Advance War reboot, which will be fun. It's like a fun tank strategy game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one that I'm really stoked on is uh, where did it go? I was just looking at oh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. Um, where are you even? <laughs> uh, this is from just a, a document on my computer, but there's a, a Polygon article that has most of, if not all, the games I mentioned. Oh yeah, this just looks like that one game. Uh, it's like the, yeah, it's like Jet Set Radio. Yeah, Jet Set Radio. It looks like a ripoff. Yeah, it's totally a different Set Radio ripoff. But like my one of my favorite games of twenty twenty one was the Fire Emblem ripoff. Like if you rip a thing off and you like actually do it and like take the new technology to like plus up the yeah. things about it and just like stick to the core mechanics of a core system that works, like you're gonna pump out some bangers. And I fucking love. I guess that's the argument for Halo Infinite, yeah. Yeah, the only thing is that it seems like Halo Infinite did not do all the work. Um, yeah, And true. so the question is, like, are they going to do the work? And the answer is we will find out when this game gets released, but I am very excited. Folks, do the work, but don't forget to also do your own research. Um, so that was the bomb rush. Uh, you know, any other, any other little weird ones before I have um, the last one? No, I think that's it for me. Um, I mean, the last one, it would... We would be criminally charged, Lux, in a court of law if we didn't mention this last one. I'm, of course, speaking about Breath of the Wild. Dos. Yeah, if it actually comes out this year, that'll be very exciting. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting a, like a late November release. You gotta, um, you gotta expect something like, like that. A, or, or, you know, in my heart of hearts, I'm expecting a, a February postponed release, you know. Um, but, you know, this is this this is a this is a year like like when we're looking at the layout we have in front of us, there is a decently sized big game each month. But then there's still a lot of surprises in store. We don't know what the next big battle royale, the next big free game. Like, you know, there's always those big secrets, you know, that are being prepared to to surprise us that, that we could have never expected. No, I think this is going to um, be a big year for the Jamers. Yeah, um, I think so, too. So I think it's a year to be excited about Lux. 2020 player, too, you know. Well, um. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. Oh, I did forget one other game, speaking of, because this year is jam-packed. I don't know if I'm going to play this game, but I know one person who will, uh, which is my dad, um, and that is Lord of the Rings Gollum. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's end there. Let's end on that one. Uh, uh, insane uh, that that's a game that they're making, but I'm stoked. It, insane that it's an entire game. It's It reminds me of the Buzz Lightyear movie. Um where it's like, why? Like, why? Uh, just make a new game. But I also am like, how can this all be a full game? I mean, like, how can you play for Gollum for that long? Gollum does go on a crazy adventure, right? Like, he escapes 
Mordor and find Sam and Frodo. And we don't have a lot of like lore of what that period was like. Mm-hmm. So there's some flexibility in the, books, in the books. You get a lot of that, but yeah, you get a decent amount, but like, you know, not like a, a enough that you can make a game out of it. I mean, but like not like a huge ton. So I think there's room to play with. Um, but it's it, but it's like it's just like st- like a stealth game. Yeah, like like a what do you st- get? A stealth game gonna about up, a freaky little uh, guy. <laughs> you, yeah, and you're just gonna upload like upgrade his like sneakiness or his weirdness. Yeah, you, his, you his, play as a freaky little guy, and everyone uh, hates you and wants to kill you. Here's what I'll say: it's a real Lux's life simulator in a lot of ways. Yeah, a Lux simulator over here. But if the game doesn't have a fishing mechanic, then it's failed as a golem as a golem game. Dude, true. True. <laughs> if you're not able to grab fish out of the stream and smack them to death, then what the fuck are we even doing here? Yeah, that's I think absolutely right. Um, speaking of what we're doing here, I think what we should be doing here is wrapping it up because I got to get back to work. Um, yeah, please. Uh, and ooh, your boy got a tummy ache. Uh, ate a little bit too much lunch. Oh, I'm see, I'm pre lunch right now. Oh, I'm 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 feeling withered. That's the two hour time zone gap. Um, damn. Yeah, I ate a big sandwich. And I, it's not sitting great in the old tummy. Um, we lo- we love to we love to be. Uh, I mean, I guess I've always had tummy eggs. That's not something that comes with age. No. Although I think that my stomach having a revolt against like a hot chicken sandwich might in fact be a, the result of it getting older. Hmm. Um, but who can say either way? Not comfortable. Oh, so we're going to call this episode here because I don't because uh, I got to get back to work. and I don't feel awesome. So uh, if you want to yell at us about the games we're anticipating or tell us about games we didn't talk about because we're big idiots, you can find me and Griffin uh, on various platforms. I'll tell you right now. Griffin is on Twitter and TikTok at Griffin P. Davis and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash chimroom. I am on Twitter at tailboy. That's T-A-I-L underscore B-O-I. And also on twitch.tv slash pixel goblins where Forrest Walker and I stream every Wednesday, Sunday, and we might add another day for tactics games. We haven't decided yet. Uh, and of course, most importantly, you should follow Haley on Instagram and YouTube at eat every sound. That is it for us. And we'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.